episode of Can You Dig It, a podcast by SilverScreenEnroll.com. I'm Christian Rivas, joined by Jacob Rude. Not a bad weekend for sports fans in Los Angeles. The Lakers beat the Utah Jazz, which I don't know why, but wins against the Jazz just, like, hit different. They feel so good. Like, I feel like Vernon Maxwell when the Lakers beat the Jazz. (laughs) Like, what he feels every day, I feel in that moment, and it feels great. Um, the Dodgers two and one against the Padres so far. Uh, Mookie Betts made an incredible catch. In oh my that god! Second game. What a play! And uh, Galaxy, our Los Angeles Galaxy, Jacob Rude, um, pulling out the win against David Beckham's Inter Miami, which is how the MLS advertised it. <laughs> and uh, Chicharito. I never doubted you, Chicharito. Never yeah. once. <laughs> Please do not look at my tweets. <laughs> so not not a bad uh, not a bad weekend for LA fans. But what you and I are here to talk about is the Lakers uh, going back to that Jazz game on Saturdays. I admit I, I admittedly don't watch Lakers games on my days off because that is what I do like every day. But for some reason. That Lakers and Jazz game was way more entertaining than it needed to be. And if not entertaining, then just close. Uh, needed an extra period uh, to to settle things. And the Lakers just took over in overtime. Um, did you expect that the Lakers were going to win this game, given who the Jazz and Lakers had available collectively? Well, yeah, after the injury report, I thought it would be – a much more interesting game. Uh, Jordan Clarkson, God, I love you. 27 points on 27 shots. Uh, five of 15 from three. Let it fly, young man. Uh, yeah, I mean, once I saw who was going to be playing, yeah, I thought the Lakers had a shot. Um, and, I mean, obviously they did. They won the game um, with – just some hilariously bad defense at the end of regulation on, yeah. that, on that Dennis Schroeder layup. Uh, I don't know. It almost it almost was like they thought that they were up three points and that they could give up a layup and be fine. I don't know. It was truly bizarre. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know. This team is kind of finding a bit of a groove right now with uh, with who they have. Um, which I mean, honestly, it's been, I think about 15 games now that they haven't had LeBron and AD. So you kind of would expect them to, uh, eventually find some sort of groove and figure out how to play with one another, which in a sense kind of makes it more interesting. Um, LeBron with LeBron and AD coming back, but yeah, I mean, Drummond looked really good. I didn't really have. I haven't really been too concerned about him, especially considering the role he's playing now. He's not going to be playing when LeBron and AD are there, but it's still nice to see him play well. KCP went off 
Schroeder went off. It was it was a fun win. Um, it was also funny, KCP moving up to I believe he's fourth, fifth all time in uh, three pointers in Lakers history. Uh, one is absolutely wild that he's that high up. Um, he is now fifth. He moved it. He moved past Eddie Jones. Uh, also hilariously, Kuzma is nine three pointers behind KCP. <laughs> Kuzma is going to move up there too, but it led me down the rabbit hole. Nick Young is ninth in three pointers in franchise history. Insane. He played four seasons here. Just shot like crazy. Led me down to some through some fun rabbit holes of uh, looking at the Lakers' all-time leaders and stuff while watching the game Saturday as well. But it was a fun game. I've just kind of taken a very, like, whatever happens, happens approach to these Lakers games. And if we get a win, it's a lot of fun. If we lose, it's whatever. We're missing our two biggest players. So it's always fun, as you said, to feel like Brennan Maxwell and beat the Jazz. <laughs> It's funny you mentioned the Nick Young being in that top 10 because I remember the se- like Nick Young's last season with the team. Uh, and honestly, other than his first season with the team, probably his most impactful season with the team just because he seemed to, one, want a contract in the NBA, but two, just like, I don't know, play defense. I thought he was pretty great <laughs> that last year. Uh, but I bring that up because Nick Young is only 15 three-pointers away from Rick Fox on that in that eighth spot. He could have passed him with the way Nick Young chucked, but Luke Walton decided to shut him down towards the latter half of the, the season, rightfully so, because there were younger guys that needed playing time. But also, like, if you have a chance to move up the Lakers' three-point ladder – you do it like you you ask your coach you beg him to get as high as you can to hopefully when it's all said and done you stay in that top 10 i don't imagine nick young will be in that top 10 for long but uh you know it, I, do we it, think nick young knew that he was even in the top 10 though oh absolutely oh i see i that it's such an obscure list that like i I mean, the name's on the – I mean, it was on the Spectrum broadcast, so I'm sure many of you saw it. Byron Scott is fourth. Like, Nick Young's on there. Michael Cooper's tenth. Um, it's some really odd – Meta World Peace is tenth and three-pointers attempted. <laughs> like, it's a, it's a wild list just because, like – I mean, realistically, if you think of, like, players who have been sharpshooters for the Lakers, it's all, like – one season wonders types or like just a couple seasons. Like Vujicic was really a couple seasons. Sorry, Harrison. Um, <laughs> Vladimir Redmanovic, I remember, but he was like a season and a half before he hurt himself snowboarding. Um, Jason Capono was here for like half a season. Uh, I mean, the guys that I'm sure I'm forgetting people and whatnot. J.R. Smith was with us in the bubble. Uh I'm sure I'm forgetting guys, but I mean, just when you think of those guys, they're only a couple seasons. So this list is full of like, really, I didn't really know what I was expecting when I looked it up, but I looked it up and I'm like, holy cow, this is just a wild list of like, just a who's who of random Lakers, basically. Yeah. And like you said, there have been many. Isaiah Thomas 
played for the Lakers. Oh, see, yeah, he he. Well, he again, he only played half a season, so I doubt he was up there. Yeah, they're they're just like some weird characters that I not even in terms of like three point shooting. Like Rondo played two seasons with the Lakers and won a championship with them. Imagine telling yourself that ten years ago. I would have been. Oh my god! After the Celtics won the title, he. I was so annoyed with him just because of like, just the way he played basically, and that he was always going after loose balls. Like I can't remember what game it was. He had. It was in that 08 series, actually. He had some wild tip in, like late in one of the games, where I was just like, "Who is this kid? Like, what in the world is going on? I hate this." So, yeah. I, I mean, let's be honest. Most of us hated him for most of his two years <laughs> in Los Angeles. It was just he went to the bubble, got some playoff superpowers, and played like the third best player on the Lakers for most of the postseason. I told Clippers fans, man, like, hate him all you want right now. I went through the same thing. Once the postseason rolls around, <laughs> you just got to roll with the punches. Trust everything he's doing. Honestly, he's been good for him even in the regular season. <laughs> right. What's up with that? I don't know. Whatever. Um, the other standout performer for me, I guess, in that game was Markeith Morris. And he's a guy that, in the absence of Anthony Davis, has just been incredible. Like, a guy that was outside of the rotation before LeBron James and Anthony Davis got hurt steps in, is tremendous in his in his role. Obviously doesn't replicate the production of Anthony Davis, if he did, I, the Lakers would be in a tough situation this summer in terms of free agents, more so than they already are. Um, but I, I mean, he has far exceeded any expectations I had for him in this role. And you know, I'm really interested to see what Frank does when when the roster is healthy again, because I I just don't think he's a guy you can put in that DNP CD role again. Uh, since ADs went down, he's averaging 10 points, six rebounds, um, shooting 46% from the field, 38% from three. Um, so roughly average, a little above average from three. Um, but no, I agree with you. I mean, if you shorten that a bit, he didn't play too well, but if you cut it to the last 23 games, I mean, the more recently you kind of cut that segment down to, the better he's been playing. Um, It is interesting because, like you said, there were times when when AD and LeBron were – well, basically when the full team was healthy, that he was getting DNP CDs. Um, He was told he wouldn't be in the rotation. I mean, before AD went down in the previous – uh, seven games, eight games, he had only played in three of them. Mm-hmm. So he was firmly out of the rotation, barring injuries. I always kind of thought, though, that it was a thing where I've kind of really changed my mindset on the regular season based on what Vogel did in the postseason last year because it was really clear in the postseason that he had used the regular season um, – just to kind of experiment with stuff, get an idea of how things looked. And we would get frustrated like, oh, you ran this group together. Why didn't you do that more? And in reality, it was because he had found he had enough 
a big enough sample size that he knew what to expect and he was saving that for the postseason. So in my head, I always kind of thought they're benching Keith now, but we saw in the playoffs how well he played next to AD. And when the games really start mattering, I would imagine he'll find his way back into the rotation. That's, I mean, even if that wasn't the case, he certainly can't, I don't think, be benched now. Um, he's been really good for the team. He's been rebounding the ball really well of late, too, right. which is not something that he typically does. Um, and, I mean, if he's able to do that as well, um, that adds just another kind of layer to how good he's been or how good he can be for this team. Um, over the last nine games, he's averaging seven rebounds a game. Um, so I, he's a, he's a really good compliment to AD. We saw that. I think he can, I mean, really any of the bigs, he'll be able to compliment just cause he's able to stretch the floor and more than anything, yeah. he's like the one guy the Lakers have that can, that can do that consistently. And, He's played. He played in the big games. He was a huge part of that bubble team, so the trust is there, and um, I expect him to be a part of this rotation moving forward. The problem's going to be like, I mean, this is not. We won't really need to discuss this until maybe a week or two, but like, you're going to have to start figuring out who goes out of the rotation now, because it was a problem we. The, the good problem we had at the beginning of the year is that we had too many guys. We added guys. We added Drummond. We added Ben McLemore. Um, so who falls out of the rotation here in the coming weeks is going to be really interesting. And, again, it might not matter because in the playoffs, it's going to go series to series. So it might change one series. It might be different the other. But um, for now, I think Keith has to be in that rotation um, just because he's played so well. It's crazy to think about the playoffs being only like a month away. I think the official start date is something like May 22nd. It's everything about this season is weird. I mean, realistically, the playoffs should be going on right now. Like in a normal season, um, the playoffs would be starting right about now. So Everything about this season is just odd. Um, but, yeah, considering the season started almost exactly four months ago, uh, that we're already to the playoffs is a wild thought, certainly. And Markeith Morris, speaking of Markeith Morris, he had uh, some interesting comments about the postseason and how it pertains to the Lakers after the Lakers went over the Jazz on Saturday, and I wanted to talk about that when we come back from the break. So d despite losing LeBron James and Anthony Davis, the Lakers are sitting as comfortably as you possibly could be in the Western Conference at that number five seed, record of 35-22, and 2.5 games ahead of the Portland Trailblazers uh, and only 1.5 games back of the number four seed Denver Nuggets. I thought that was interesting. Um, but the, the comments I want to talk about with Marquise, I want to set up because <laughs> the comments themselves are interesting, but the story around the comments is, is arguably even funnier. 
Marquise Morris was asked in a, in a similar way that I brought up before the break, like, you know, how crazy is it that the playoffs and the play-in tournament is just a month away? And, and you know, how are you preparing for that? How is the team preparing for that? Marquise Morris heard the word play-in tournament <laughs> and it just immediately upset him. So his, uh, his exact quote is, uh, we're not worried about the play-in like at all. I don't even know what the date is for that. So if it's <laughs> next month, that won't involve us. We're getting healthy at the right time. This is perfect for us, man, with this crazy season, with all these games, back-to-back nights and days off in between. Without our best two players, we've held it down for the most part. Now we get them back fully healthy and ready to make a run. The reporter clarified his comments. And Marquise's response was, then say playoffs then. Don't say no play-in. And <laughs> that exchange, I think, is probably indicative of how the Lakers roster as a whole feels about the play-in tournament. I'm sure it's something they've heard a ton of since LeBron James and Anthony Davis got hurt. Like, oh, no, are the Lakers going to you know, fall into the play-in spot? Are they going to make the playoffs at all? I've always thought that conversation that- – conversation as a whole is stupid feels like Marquise Morris feels the same way how do you feel about all of that noise yeah I wouldn't say I always felt it was stupid I never really thought it was a possibility that being said I mean they did look really bad when everybody first went out (laughs) yeah um they got uh it was the Atlanta game. I'm trying to pull it up. That was the start of a four-game losing streak in which the games weren't really close aside from that Philly game. Um, and there there was a brief moment where I was like, this could get interesting. I think it was that weekend after the Philly game where we played Cleveland and Orlando. And if we had lost one or even both of those, Dallas was playing at the same time. And it would have cut the margin down to, like, two or three games. Dallas is a current seven seed. If it got to that point, I probably would have been a little more worried about it. The Lakers won both those games that weekend. Dallas lost both their games. And it was, like, a four- or five-game lead over the seventh spot. And after that, I'm like, all right, this talk's done. We're not – I mean, we're bad, but we're not going to – the Mavericks aren't aren't that great. We're not giving up five games to the Mavericks. Um, the Mavericks are barely above 500. Um, right. So since then, I've just kind of not really considered it. It's not really been realistic to me. Um, I'm not sure I would have had quite as visceral a reaction to the word play-in. <laughs> um, I... <laughs> Shout out to Keith because I yeah I read that quote and just laughed but uh, <laughs> I mean as it stands the Lakers are four and a half games out of the play in the last play in spot um, again I don't think it's happening it's that's a long way to fall Portland is really beat up right now too so I think they're gonna drop quicker we're closer to the three seed than we are the play in spot yeah and that's like. The the reason I thought it was so stupid is I think, yes, the Lakers were going to lose games without LeBron James and Anthony Davis. They fell from the three seed to the five seed. Like, let's not pretend that they're in the same position that they were before. However, 
I thought the conversation was dumb because the bottom half of the Western Conference is so, so, so bad. As somebody mm-hmm. that covers the Pelicans, you can speak to this a little more mm-hmm. than I can. But, like, for example, the Dallas Mavericks, a, a team that Lakers fans were like, oh, no, are, are they going to you know creep up from behind us and drop us to the seventh seed? Going into tonight, the Kings were on a nine-game losing streak. And they beat the Dallas Mavericks by a considerable margin, led the game by 21 points at one point. And the game was only close because Lucas scored something like 29 points in the fourth quarter. He was nuts. It was crazy. Um, Below the Lakers, and this the same can be said for Eastern Conference teams. The bottom half of the NBA outside of those top five teams are so bad. Like, Bad to the point where even without LeBron James and Anthony Davis, those going those games against, you know, maybe the Boston Celtics are a bad example now because the Lakers got uh, pretty beat up by the Celtics the other day. But um, a team like the Celtics, who even when the Lakers played them, were only like two games above 500. We're not talking about elite teams here. And um, I think as they get healthy and – you know, they start looking more like the team they were before LeBron and AD got hurt. We're going to see just how big that disparity is between an elite team like the Lakers and, you know, teams that we're quote-unquote worried about in Portland and Dallas. Yeah, I was just – I was doing the math in my head. It 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 took a lot longer than I thought. Um, the – since LeBron and AD both went down, not counting that Atlanta game because LeBron played a quarter of it. So since then, the Lakers are 7-8. and eight. Uh, That would be, I mean, that type of winning percentage, you're like in the ninth, 10th seed in the uh, Western Conference. Like, as you said, the Pelicans are doing everything they possibly can right now to not make the play-in tournament and are still three games back. And they have multiple games against – they have three games against the Warriors before the end of the season. Um, seven and eight in the Eastern Conference would be fighting for the eight seed. Uh, you would be very safely in the play-in tournament right now. Um, yeah, I, I just don't think people realize how bad the play-in tournament is. I mean, seven and eight, uh, you improve a little bit, and you're basically what the Mavericks have been like – so if we count if we take away that stretch when they first lost um LeBron and AD the Lakers are 7 and 5 in their last 12 that's a 583 winning percentage the Mavericks currently have a 536 winning percentage so the last 12 games the Lakers have been better than what the Mavs have been this season so yeah i think there is a little bit of kind of hyperbole and exaggeration um, to try to drum up some attention. Certainly not something the media would ever do, but uh, <laughs> the to drum up some attention, I, like I said, there was like one weekend where I thought it could be a little bit of a possibility, and since then it hasn't really been close. I would honestly take the LeBron and AD-less Lakers over a lot of teams right now. And a lot of teams in the bottom of these playoff races right now because um, 
Yeah, I don't think people realize how bad those teams are. The Pelicans today, for those that didn't see, were up three points against the Knicks in New York with eight seconds left. And Stan Van Gundy in the past has opted to foul up three. And uh, so they come out of the timeout. Knicks inbound the ball. Derrick Rose dribbles around a bit, and there's no foul. He drives to the rim. For whatever reason, there was like a split second where Lonzo hesitated to get to the corner, and it left Reggie Bullock, former another former random Laker, uh, <laughs> left him open for three, and they the Knicks tie the game with two seconds left, and they win in overtime. After the game, Stan Van Gundy went ballistic, said that high school seniors should be able to execute what he told the team to execute, but he wouldn't really say what they were supposed to execute. He just kept saying, ask the players. They know they screwed up. He said they made two mistakes, and Lonzo's was very very clear that he screwed up. It was Nobody really said what the other mistake was. Eric Bledsoe comes up, and they say, can you explain the uh, what happened? And he goes, yeah, I was supposed to foul, but I just didn't know that. I wasn't paying attention in the huddle. That team is fighting for a play-in spot. Yeah, that team over the last 15 games has a 7-8 record, same as the Lakers. Miami Heat, who have been praised for you know their turnaround season and all the moves they made at the, at the trade deadline. Seven and eight in the last 15 games. I understand those teams don't have LeBron James and Anthony Davis either, uh, but they certainly have, I think, probably more talent than Lakers. I mean, we saw um, how good Jimmy Butler was in the final. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm not worried about the Lakers falling down to a play-in spot. Again, the the Mavericks are bad, and, and they're that seventh seed, which, you know, outside, the, there's only a, a half game separating the seventh and eighth seed. Uh, but separating the five seed and the seventh seed is three and a half games. If all goes well, Anthony Davis will be back after the Lakers game against the jazz on Monday. Assuming Anthony Davis is still good at basketball. Uh, the Lakers, I'm assuming will win more games. And at that point, you know, you're not talking about falling into a playing spot. You're talking about, moving into that four spot and even potentially that three spot. I don't know if there's time, honestly, to to creep into that number three seed, but it's possible. Well, I think it's really good. Think it's possible. Yeah, I mean, four games back, I, I don't know if they have any games against the Clippers left. That would certainly help. Uh, they have one May 6th. Um, you would hope at that point both those guys are back. I, I could see it. The Clippers have been playing really well of late, though, so maybe not. But, um, yeah, I. the only thing I'm slightly worried about is how little time ultimately we're going to have at the end of this season with LeBron, AD, and the full team healthy, knock and on wood. Dr- yeah. And with Drummond together. I, I hate to, like, conjure this up, but in some ways – it like I think back to the Clippers last year when everybody was like, yeah, when they get healthy, they'll be great. And ultimately they never were healthy long enough to be able to play together to kind of get an idea of how to, how to play together. And it ultimately failed spectacularly. 
I'm not saying that that's how the Lakers are going to go because we have competent coaching and players who show up in the playoffs. But I, it's just that kind of uh, that kind of situation where I hope that we have enough time for LeBron and AD to play with Drummond, for Schroeder to go back to his role as kind of the third string or the third option on offense and everybody to kind of figure out where they fit in um, in the final few weeks of the season. Yeah, I think that's a great point. My concern with the Lakers isn't so much, you know, them making the playoffs. It's what they're going to do in the playoffs and, uh, you know, whether or not they're going to have that time to ramp up, uh, not just in terms of LeBron James and Anthony Davis being as healthy as they possibly can, which is obviously priority number one, but uh, building that chemistry with Andre Drummond, who, you know, for – for all the talk about him playing a really limited role alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis, I assume that will be true. He is a much different player than anybody the Lakers have on the roster. Currently uh, we saw him running the fast break against the jazz on Saturday. So uh, and falling into uh, Phil Handy's arms after doing it three straight times, had another, had another quote. Honestly, I have been surprised how big of a role he's had. Um, Yeah. I mean, maybe it was me kind of talking myself into him being a Dwight or JaVale type, but I I mean, he's clearly playing a very big role on this team and that's their design. Even when AD comes back, ultimately the Lakers are always going to be at their best with LeBron and AD as your front court as your four and five, but like he's going to factor into this quite a bit, I think, more than I had even planned for, which probably, I mean, this is another podcast for another day, but that probably doesn't mean great things for Mark Gasol moving forward. And, the, I mean, there's still ways you can utilize him, but, again, now we're talking about trying to find minutes for AD, LeBron, uh, Drummond, Gasol, Trez, and Markeith Morris in your front court. And that's six guys I just named. You're not going to go three deep at every position, so – this number crunch gets real tight real quick. And we're going to find out what that number crunch looks like in a month when the postseason starts, roughly a month. Um, but, yeah, I'm hoping for the best for the Lakers. Hopefully, health soon. By the time we next podcast, Anthony Davis will hopefully. Knocking on wood. Please, AD, <laughs> come back, please. Uh, hopefully, yeah, we'll, we'll have uh, an AD game to talk about. Until then, uh, everybody. Stay safe. Uh, if you're going to Lakers games, congratulations. That is awesome. I'm going to try to make uh, make it out to at least the Galaxy game uh, before the season ends. And who who knows, Jacob, in a year's time, we, we could be at an ESL game in Indiana. <laughs> yes, sir. That, that is certainly another podcast for another time. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll, we'll talk to you guys next time.